0: Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. This is another Kickstarter Spotlight episode, and today we're going to be talking about the third volume of a a series that's had two successful volumes on Kickstarter already. It's called Terra Olympus, and I have the creator, Stephen Cock, on to join me to talk about the series. Stephen, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Jace. Thanks for having me. Really
1: appreciate your time.
0: Yeah, uh, he's coming all the way from Australia, so uh, hello,
1: from the future, I guess, is what
0: Steven Look, said. He,
1: he's a day if, ahead of if, us. If, if it helps, the world hasn't ended yet. So take that whichever way you will. The world's still turning in the Fantastic. future.
0: Good, good to know. I, I'm supposed to fly to Denver tomorrow for work, so. The killer holders
1: that. haven't arrived yet. I think they're coming. I think they're scheduled for a week or two.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of funny that we're talking about that, uh, the future and science fiction and whatnot, because that's really what Terra Olympus is is all about. Um yep. And I'm, I'm sort of sad that I didn't hear about this series sooner because uh, Stephen was kind enough to share the first volume with me and uh, I got to check it out and it's absolutely amazing. I can't wait to get caught up. Uh, but why don't you tell everybody uh, kind of what the elevator pitch is? What, what is the story of Terra
1: Olympus about? Okay, um, I'll, I'll use the, one of the key lines which I've used a lot. Like, Earth is a distant memory. And uh, humanity or what you know of humanity now lives aboard the space station Terra Olympus. Um, there's a senior engineer. Her name is Mia. She discovers something's not quite right on Terra Olympus, and that starts the whole chain of events. Of oh gosh, they, there's something more that's happening on the space station. Yes. And, oh, go ahead. Oh no no no! I, I know you've read volume one. Uh, you probably would would see a lot of uh, and volume one. Unfortunately, it's volume ones are always really interesting to write because you can probably pick out a lot of plot seeds that have just been dumped in that volume one. And each of those plot scenes, um does get expanded on. Like um, I tend to write stories with the end in mind. So I didn't know how this is all going to end. And you can probably pick out, oh gosh, what does he mean by that, that, and that? And they'll get all expanded on. So I'm really, really excited to keep um, expanding the story, really. Yeah,
0: and when we started to talk about classic science fiction tropes like yep. where to start a, a story like this that's big and expansive uh and you talk about yeah earth is no more you're on a space station or in the case of something like Battlestar Galactica you're on this big spaceship yep. you're searching for a new home and certainly that's uh, you know there are kind of seeds of that as you said in Terra Olympus you know there is uh, an expedition sort of a group on the space station that goes out there's searching for that Goldilocks planet right try to find yep. a, a place so eventually the earth can, or the humanity as a species can, can live somewhere other than a space station. But you start with those classic ideas and then you've got to build on that. It it matters, you know, character. And do we care about these characters and is the story interesting and is it paced well and that sort of thing. So starting from that early idea, that's a classic science fiction trope. What were some of the challenges in building out the story you wanted to tell from that foundation?
1: Okay, so um, one thing I really wanted to do is if you if and um, if you want, uh, this reminds me, I'll send you a copy of Volume Two as well, uh, the PDF to have a read through. Um, I'm very much into what they call hard sci-fi, so not the Star Trek type sci-fi, which everything is clean, uh, everything is perfect, holodecks are fantastic, you got food replicators. I'm not a big fan of. Don't get me wrong, I love Star Trek, but I'm not a big fan of that type of sci-fi. I'm actually much more the, oh my God, we're running this plane on, um, you know, shoestring and bubble gum, <laughs> just everybody's right. holding the plane. And what, in terms of Terra Limpus, which I really wanted to put down, that hard sci-fi, it's based on something called a closed loop system, where everything has to be closed loop because there is no other external factors coming in. And a lot of technologies which get described uh, both in Volume 1 and Volume 2, they're all real-world technologies. Like, for example, artificial chlorophyll. And you'll see that uh, in, I think, Volume 2. It does exist. It exists as it stands now. It's just not really being used because, thankfully, the Earth still has a lot of greenery, which is a little bit more efficient. Doesn't mean those technologies don't exist. The space, the expedition craft is actually based off an experimental NASA design, and even the space station is built off. Hey, look, if we want to design it, this is how it would look like the future. So one of the challenges was actually to incorporate all of that into it. And I know there's a lot of talk If you read volume one, where they describe syslogs and stuff like that. All those are real world network technologies where everything gets logged and you have, I think there's something called the internet of things where basically Mm -hmm. all this machine is pulling out all this data and, the future in life is really not going to be things working. It's going to be how things, how data is manipulated. And so you find that using that as the basis, I thought, I, I thought that was a really good challenge to go, you know what? Sure, we don't have a space station, but guess what? This is probably as close as you get if you want a humanity to live somewhere in the stars.
0: Yeah, maybe it's my love of technology, the fact that I, my day job is IT, that that really... Yeah. Spoke to me. And when you talk about system logs, I, my life in a way is <laughs> system logs. So I know, yeah, yeah I really, uh, I really appreciated that. But again, we're talking about taking a classic science fiction ideas like technology, space station, earth is no more. But it, if the characters weren't compelling, then, you know, I don't know that people come back, they get sort of lost in that jargon. Um, so Talk a little bit about building out the cast uh, of the okay. world that you've created here in, in Terra Olympus. Talk so a little bit the, about, you know, Mia, oh, who, who how she speaks to you, how much of yourself is is in her as a character and whatnot.
1: Oh, sure, sure. So the one thing that you probably notice in a lot of these science fiction tropes, like, you know, the Balsa Galacticas or even the Deep Space Nine and uh, Babylon Fives of the world, you know, those uh, classic um, uh, space station stories, is you see where the focus is. It's either on the captain, or if you look at Star Wars, it's either on Poe or the next Jedi or whatever. It's, the focus is always on one of the key characters who's either in command or in the expedition team or the guy who's a soldier. It always seems to be that type of focus. But I wanted to shift the focus a lot on this. That's why I think, I, I love Mia, by the way. <laughs> I absolutely love her. Um, because she's an engineer she's not out there to revolutionize the world or she, or to change a bit. Um her, her classic line is she just wants to fix things. And I think that in terms of a character trope, it's a really really fun one to play with. You play with somebody not out to command, to to rule, to win. Just play with someone who wants in her heart just to fix things, to get things better than the way it used to be. And so, when she's trying to um, diagnose problems, and again, this is a little bit the if if you, especially since you work in IT, you get a lot of that. Is you're not out there to revolutionize stuff. You're out there to make things run and make things work. And a lot of IT nowadays, it's not about oh gosh uh, upgrades or whatever. It's about high availability, concurrent systems work at the same time. It's about patching to make sure hey look, let's not let things slide too far down there's even uh again very much it patch tuesdays where every tuesday check your systems to make sure they are not up up to date and that's her job and although you think oh gosh you know that that's uh that doesn't seem that interesting it's actually very fascinating and that's a wall which i think in terms of the character people haven't touched too much on because it's a different really different archetype and so Mia, in this case, is no. She's still a badass. Don't get me wrong. I, <laughs> she's still. She's you know. She's still out there. She still can fight and all the rest of it. But she's not a soldier. And her thing was was really, I'm here to try to solve a problem. I'm not here to fix every and and how how you know. I'm just here to fix things. And I really like that part of her. Well, you see, there is a lot of machinations behind the scenes. You see, there is you know, conspiracy characters and all the rest of it who you you can kind of feel their vibes of different control. But the lead character, Mia, she's not into that. She doesn't want to be the next commander. She doesn't want that. And I think a lot of people can probably relate to that. And being able to relate to a character and seeing how fun she is, because she is a really fun character. I I really hope when you do read it, you go, you know what? She's fun. And I, I hopefully they'll see a lot in how she reacts and how she does things um, and see themselves a little bit in that character. How how did you find Mia, by the way? I know you, the first, first volume wasn't that long, but.
0: um, No, it's interesting to hear how you built her because I didn't, I I, there's so she's a very likable character, like the likability scales off the charts. And I I don't think I realized what it was about her, but you're right. It's the fact that, you know, again, going back to the, these classic sci-fi tropes. Yeah. It is somebody like a, like a Starbuck uh, you know, from from Battlestar Galactica where, you know, she yeah, she's a badass, but she's also kind of sullen and she's moody and she's always brooding. And, yep. you know, she's just not a happy kind of person. And that's fine for that. works that, what works for that character. But the fact that you can tell that, yeah, Mia, she's not out to, like, save the world. You know, she's not out to try to to take over, be the leader. She does. not She's not like the super ambitious person. She she's happy in what she does. She just wants to fix things. And keep everything running and do her part, um, and and just kind of live life and be happy. And you you gotta automatically sort of like somebody like that. That's not, you know, they don't have some sinister plan or, you know, some they're they're not looking to inspire. They're just looking to do their part. You know, and if, if everybody was looking to do their part, then then things work. You know, a lot better <laughs> when you know you look out the window and the world seems to be falling apart. Well, maybe not enough of us are just looking to to do our own individual. Part and then it falls on others to do maybe too much because others are doing uh, nothing. So, but that's not to say that it doesn't appear that Mia won't rise to the occasion if the challenge you know presents itself. Because you know, as uh, again, somebody in IT, yeah, you're, you're overriding desires to make it work. I got to fix. There's a problem. I got to fix it so that it's there for the people that need to use it. And I, I have a feeling that that's sort of Mia's journey. So I feel yeah. a bit bad though because I
1: do put her through the rigor. Uh, she does. Um, I don't make her life easy. <laughs> I, I apologize to her for that. Look, I'm really sorry. It's it makes for a better story. <laughs> but the other thing which I really do I I love is um, it's not a quick identification, and I don't. I I am very against the tropes of um what they call the the big bad tropes where somebody is just inherently evil and whatever uh when you do get through the story a little bit more the, the antagonist and all the things that start popping out is you kind of find that uh, i want it all to be relatable i want it that you go you know what maybe Thanos was right <laughs> you know yeah uh, you you want that type of connection to the villain where you just keep thinking you know what maybe they aren't all. like for example um in volume one, especially uh, Mia's commanding officer, uh, Stefan, he's the one who is probably seen more, more as the villain, but you kind of don't know his motivations quite yet. And you kind of don't know why he does what he does and hopefully they'll come out, but you can kind of see he's also probably not a bad person as well, but you don't know what's driving him. And I think to make any character interesting is to put that driver or that what pushes them forward um, into the reader's imagination. And when you find as the story progresses, and that's why I'm, I'm really fortunate for all the people who have given Terra Olympus a go, because guess what? I can o- honestly say that the story gets more action packed and the story gets better as each of the reveals come. And as much as volume one is the introduction, the really cool, the really, uh, the payoffs do come down later to track.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, it speaks to building, you know, tension and whatnot that there's there are questions in in volume one that aren't, you know, necessarily answered because you you want the reader to come back and and be engaged. And okay, let's find out what the the motivations are. Who really is the, you know, as you put it, the big bad and what are their reasons. And Yeah, I I totally agree that when you have somebody who's, you know, supposedly the bad guy, but their motivations are more in that gray area, like from a certain perspective, you can see, okay, maybe they have a point, like you were talking about Thanos, you know, uh, you know, using up all the resources in the universe, (laughs) because it's overpopulated, you can kind of see their point of view. And that makes for a much more interesting villain, as opposed to somebody who's just doing a bad thing, just for the sake of doing a bad thing you know I always call those people like they're like the mustache twirling bill yes. <laughs> you know like um Dr. Evil from Austin Powers he doesn't have any reason to do bad stuff other than that's just you know the way he is that's not
1: interesting not not in the long run Yep, yeah, not 100% agree with you and well that's that's why I really enjoyed the story because um, look um, although Earth is, is a distant memory okay using the tagline um, I just want to show the readers. You'll find out what what happened to Earth. You'll find out all the plot points, and you've f- the it's actually designed um, for about and it might extend beyond this. But at a rough count right now, it's outlined for about six to seven volumes in terms of the, the Azak story. We're up to volume three now, and each of them, uh, basically every volume has a reveal into it so and volumes three reveals i think are uh, very exciting volume two's reveal was actually really exciting that's why um, uh remind me i'll send you a copy okay. of it because i think you will enjoy the volume two reveal quite a bit um but it's really nice to start building and expanding the universe a little bit on this and you get to meet new characters and things start happening um but look if you're a fan of what they call hard sci-fi I think you really most people will really enjoy this it it, the science fiction is very gritty it is but I also try to make it very true like uh like I said I'm not a big fan of the replicators the teleportation technology and all stuff it it makes things too simple too too clean and too simple I like things to be a little bit more messy
0: yeah, and there uh, for any listeners who uh, also like myself missed out on volume one and volume two. There are tiers in uh, the campaign for volume three where you can get uh, copies of, of volume one and volume two, and we'll talk about the rewards here in a second. But sure. before we get there, uh, Stephen, I want you uh, to to give us a little insight into your uh, your collaborators. How did they come on the project, and and how have you found working with uh, the rest of the creative team?
1: Oh, look it's it's been brilliant. I, I really can't talk highly enough of them. Um, look. I, 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 i've i done life drawing a long long time ago but like everything in life and i'll say this it's um it's hard work you want mm-hmm. to be a good illustrator you put the effort in you put the time in study your anatomy study your buildings put the effort in um, but the other point would be is you do what makes you happy as much as um, you find your joy <laughs> if, uh, to use a really big cliche. find your joy. Uh, my joy is writing. my joy is making characters. My joy is all that so um, when you 're doing a comic, especially, you need different people to work with so um, the artist for this one, uh, von Randall, this is actually his first graphic novel. so this one is his first big job, so i 'm actually very, very happy to say to say I gave him a go. You know, mm-hmm. I'm very, very happy to say this. Um, another co creator's name is Sean. He actually had the original seed of the idea for uh, Terra Olympus, but we basically, as we collaborated through, it's been changed, it's been warped, and I think for much for the better. So, uh, mainly because this is a, a grayscale comic, we actually, there's actually a lot lower collaboration count. It's basically just artists and things. Uh, volume three, I- I'm also a professional letterer, so from volume three onwards, I- I'm lettering. I took off all the lettering duties, um, but working with Vaughn, it's, if you ever make a comic, the most fun thing is to get those layouts every morning, yeah. you know, <laughs> they come in and you just go, Oh gosh, or you change this angle a bit or whatever. And that process, it is so much fun. And look, um, Vaughn, Vaughn the artist has been an absolute pleasure to work with. And, uh, look, he's been on three volumes now. So, um, depending on his schedule, depending on timing, I'm really hoping to have him back for the fourth. But let, let's just see what happens because look, his work is fantastic.
0: Yeah. And just looking at some of the pages for volume, uh volume three that are up on the campaign page and having just read volume one, I can see he's he has improved. Like his art has his line work, his storytelling. Not that it was bad. I thought the art was spectacular in the first volume, but in, in volume three, in the preview pages that are on the, the campaign page, like, wow, he, he's tightened up his line work and he's using more interesting angles. And yeah, he's definitely grown as, a, as an artist from volume one to volume three. And so that's always great to see, to know somebody's, they always want to do their absolute best for, uh, for the project. Oh, have you, have you noticed great. that as well, that his art has been
1: improving? Oh, definitely. And I've not just on this project, but I tend to, um, I also work on a steampunk fantasy craft novel called Wordsmith. And what I tend to find is not just with Vaughn, but with other artists, if you form a good collaboration, and you keep that collaboration going, they will improve. Like, same with anything like i think my story writing and my lettering for example the two things i do professionally has improved over time and everything is about time and effort and these guys have especially bond has he's talked about the park so i'm really really happy to see uh, people improve because that that's the name of the game really yeah so like we said
0: you, we, you've had two successful campaigns so far for volume one volume two um do you see a lot of people coming back that picked up volume one and volume two that are, you know, Hey, I got to get more of the story. Like, do you, does it feel like you've built a sense of community around Terra Olympus already?
1: I do. I do. And the, the and look, I have to thank all the supporters. Like, the, 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 you know, you, you guys are the real heroes that make me, let me tell my story. And uh, look, I'm always eternally thankful for all of that. Um, one thing, and um, it's a little bit of a crowdfunding thing. It's a question i tend to pose to other, um, you know, project creators as well. Would you rather have more backers or higher funding? And in my headspace, it's more backers day in, day out. Mm-hmm. I, I'd rather I have less money and more backers than anywhere around, <clears throat> mainly because it shows growth. And seeing that Olympus grow from volume to volume, it, it just makes, makes me happy. And what you tend to notice, people do come back, and the other thing that you also do is you try to get the nice combination of people coming back and trying to attract new readers as well. Right. And um, I'm sorry, I'm going to jump to the one quick mention of the rewards. Um, the digital, uh, for, to make it fair to new readers jumping on, the digital copies of one, two, and three are basically available on every single reward tier, X bar one, which is basically just a PDF for volume three for people who have come on the journey with me Mm -hmm. but the people who are coming in there's digital copies of all three issues at every single reward tier except for one so basically if you want to jump in you can jump in and catch up really really quickly uh also as add-ons if you want physical copies of one and two if you you know some people like to hold their books physically it's still available as well and the other thing would be is like uh like Olympus is currently now i think in about uh, going on to about 300 public libraries. This is wow, Australia, cool. New Zealand, and all over the world. So uh, my favorite tier is still always going to be the drawn in tier because guess what? If you get drawn in, then you get you will be seen by a lot of people. So that's. But yeah, the, the main thing would be is you can jump in at any point. That's the you won't you won't miss out on by uh, supporting the campaign. And you're new to the campaign, you won't miss out on early things. And it's a nice build to get all the readers to come back. And I love them offer it as well as getting new readers to jump on board.
0: Yeah. And this is a case, guys, uh, where the, the campaign is already fully funded for, uh, for Volume 3. So if you do join, it's not a, a situation where, well, I might get it. I might not because it might not get funded. This, uh, Stephen's already hit the goal for, uh, for Volume 3. So like he said, if you, if you jump in and uh, support any of the tiers and you have not read any of Terra Olympus, you're going to get, like you said, volume one, two, and three, and and be able to get uh, caught up. Do you want to tell us, uh, Stephen, about some of the other um, tiers? You mentioned the the ability to be drawn in, but you also have um, some prints and some other things available, right?
1: Uh, Is it okay? I'll just send you, give me a sec. Uh, See if I can do this. Do you have the campaign up or, uh, to share the yeah, screen? Yeah, or... I can share the yep, screen. That might, that might be slightly easier. I'm trying to figure out my one. And I... Oh, perfect.
0: Yeah, so here, everybody that's watching on YouTube, you can see. Uh, okay. Yeah, what are you talking about? Oh, so, did, yeah. did you watch
1: the video, by the way?
0: Uh, I did not. I did not. But there, let's, is, let's... A, there is a trailer, everybody.
1: It's top. only a minute. It's only if a minute. Wanna, can we you can you pop it?
0: it yeah, you want to play it? Let's play it. Yeah, it's
1: Why only not. a minute. Come on.
0: Uh, not sure why it's not going. Hold on. Let me do this real fast. Huh? Earth is it? A... Okay. There it goes. Now let me share again. again I'll clean this up and post. Earth is a distant memory. And humanity now
1: lives aboard the space station, Terra I'm senior engineer, Mia. And this
0: is my first time outside the station. Things have a way of going on. Our expedition craft has been boarded. I'm not a soldier. I just fix things. The intruders aren't afraid, but. I'm shaking holding a blaster for the first time. The fate of Terra
1: Olympus depends on what happens next.
0: Yeah. Doesn't that make you want to read it? Definitely. (laughs) Definitely should want to check
1: it out for sure. You can see I encapsulate a lot of a character into it. Like it's, Oh, so if you scroll down the main page, run r- and look at the reward section. There's actually the reward. Um, if you scroll down, so uh, look, uh, there's two covers. That's the cover by Vaughn, and that's a cover by um, an artist called Sebastian Navas.
0: Yeah, the volume three variant here. Yeah.
1: So uh, this is just a quick summary of all the stuff that's available. Um, number one, they're available in Australian dollar Reduce, which is cheaper than US dollars. Yeah. So uh, basically, you get 30% off. <laughs> so it's, it's, Um, all the books are perfect bound so they have a spine uh, and I don't know if you know much about paper stock but the interiors are 150 GSM normal copy paper is 80 GSM so this is almost double the thickness and uh, it's a cardstock 250 GSM cover so um, they're built to last because I, I do love to see these books in libraries and stuff like that and libraries have a set hey look these are the minimum requirements and I basically just exceed in every single time. Gotcha. So you can kind of see uh, the first couple of tiers is digital tiers. The cool thing about it as well is um, you don't just get the, the, the uh, Terra Olympus if you back. What I also do a lot is I throw in a lot of reading. By the end of it, your digital reward pack will feature close to uh, gut feel, about four or 500 pages of reading. Wow. Excluding Terra Olympus. So I've already started to announce other projects. I'm, I'm putting on PDFs that you will get as part of the project, but there's going to be more. And by, by for the end of it, you'll get quite a lot really to get through. The actual print copy you can get uh, <clears throat> there's the print copy and the A5 print. Um, there's the variant cover. And I always, my, my little, <clears throat> sorry. My little sales pitch always comes in. If you can't decide between which cover you like, just get both. <laughs> make, make it easy. Make it easy for me. Just get both of them. The other one is some original sketches. These are about A5 size, so it's about half an A4, which is half a letter page size. If again for US, these are actually watercolored. So they are done. They are a, a quick sketch. But what they've done is they've actually been remarked. Uh, a little bit of watercolour. The remark is on the lips. So a little bit of pink or a bit of red on the lips and the hair colour, the blonde or Mia who has dark black hair. So you've got those two that you can um, think. Um, I've got quite a lot and uh, to choose from. So, but it's a really, really cool reward. Um, there's the drawing tiers, as you can see. And as well as there's two very, very detailed pieces of artwork. One of Stefan, Who's uh, Mia's commanding officer and one of Mia herself, and the last reward here is basically a private commission, which um, I would—I'll put my caveat in: is you can do almost 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 anything. There are things, of course, and if you have to ask me about certain things, I'm probably going to say no. <laughs> yeah. So if you've got to ask, the answer's probably going to be no. But in most normal cases you know the, the sky's the limit basically of um what you want for your private commission and it's done by uh absolutely fantastic artists so if we, we scroll down a bit more uh these are the covers for one and two there's also that are still available and there's the variant cover of one which is still available as well if, if you want to get that one if you prefer this cover which is a, uh, a black and white cover you can get that one if you scroll down so you get In front of the pack, you get the the digitals, but you can kind of see you've got one, two, three, four, five, six additional um, PDFs that's given and more to be announced. So as the campaign keeps going on, you just get this huge block of, oh my God, I've I've personally reached a point in my uh, 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 independent comic reading where I have more to read than I will have time. Yeah. and because I do support other independent comics quite a bit, uh, I, I'll never catch up. I'm at that point already, which I'm, I've am i got uh, close to gigs of things to read. I, even if I read one a day, I'll never catch up. I've yeah. reached a point in my life. Uh, if we scroll down a bit more, the bottom, uh, you'll see the physicals, the A5 print, uh, and you can kind of see here, here are the A5 sketches by Mateus, and you can see the remarks that he's done um the lip remark is very subtle but i, I like it i really do um the drawn in tier this is a, a friend of mine but the drawn in tier this is just an example you actually be a, be a lot more prominent when we draw somebody in you actually see a lot more prominent than just somebody slip in the background you'll be able to recognize yourself really easily uh, if you look at volume one, it says you have read. There is a one page where it's just them fixing things mm-hmm. uh, towards the back of the book. You'll re- 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 recognize everybody. Here are the the high detailed sketches by Vaughn. Again, these are, are A4 size, letter size, but you can kind of see the details given for these two. The Mia one has already been sold, so I'm really sorry, but the Stefan one is still available.
0: Yeah, cool. it's pretty cool. It's
1: almost full yeah. figure. Yeah and the last one as you can mention is uh scroll down uh a bit more you get to choose a private commission oh. and this artwork is like absolutely gorgeous and like i said um just put my usual caveat in you know i'm I'm allowed to refuse certain requests but again honestly we'll work with you um, and it's we'll make sure it comes out really really nice um as part of the, the commission goes um in the end of it you will own the artwork so uh i reserve i'll probably reserve the right to one reprint a part of the book as a thank you or whatever but basically you can get the artwork the artwork's yours you can do whatever you like with it if you decide to make prints and sell it or whatever that's all yours that commission you own the artwork at the end of it it's not like we do it for you but you're not allowed to do anything with it it's we make it for you it's yours you know uh, full rights to it
0: Great, fantastic. Well, yeah. th- th- those are definitely some some great tiers. and uh, I'll remind you, listeners, once again that you know if you if you haven't been aboard on, uh, on board with uh, Terra Olympus yet, this is a great way to catch up because as Stephen just showed you, you know uh, you got PDFs of, of one and two, and there's even add-ons of, of physical copies of of volume one and volume two if you if you want to get caught up. So uh, I'll also remind everybody. That maybe you're, if you're not into sci-fi or you think this project's not for you or you absolutely love it but you just don't have the means to join right now best thing you can do for Stephen and uh, his collaborators is to share it on social media so we get as many eyes on this as possible uh like he said himself if he had to choose between having higher funding or more readers he'd like it in front of more people he wants as oh. many people as possible to to be able to experience his story so be sure you share it out there on social media Nothing worse than finding a campaign you would have loved to have been a part of. And it ended two days or three days before or a week before. So let's uh, let's share it on social media, everybody. So uh, anybody who wants to be part of the campaign can get a chance to join. Uh, as we're wrapping up here, Stephen, is uh, is there anywhere online if people want to follow your work or know when you have new projects or the next volume of Terra Olympus uh, anywhere online specifically, people should look for your work?
1: Oh, look, the main one would be if you go to Facebook and just search for Terra Olympus, just that one word. There is a Facebook page with Terra Olympus, and basically all new artwork, new developments, and all the rest will be stored uh, in that Facebook page. So just go to uh, it's easy, slash Terra Olympus.
0: Great. And I'll and put spelling, a link. Yep. Yeah, I'll put a link to that in the show notes uh, as well. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, uh, best of luck. On the next volume, you've already got this one funded, Steven. I can't wait to uh, to join the campaign, and I'm probably gonna have to do harder. I, I, I'm one of the so it's funny, I read digitally, uh, but I like to have the the physical copies know that they're there. So I'll probably have to add on the physical copies for one and two, even though you're gonna send me the PDF for two, just so I can have the the physical copies in my hands. So uh, anyway, uh, like I said, best of luck. Uh, thanks for coming on the show and and talking to us about uh, Terra Olympus. Everybody highly encourage you to go and check it out. It's a very fun story. If you're into things like Battlestar Galactica, The Expanse, you know, like Stephen was saying, that, that hard sci-fi, this should be right up your alley. So uh, we want to thank our listeners for joining us as always. And thanks to Stephen for uh, t- uh, joining us and telling us all about Terran Olympus, And we'll talk to you guys next time.
1: Thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks.